All right, glad you're with us, Sean Hannity Show. Toll free, it's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the uh, program. You know, I was thinking about this today is, you know, I'm, I'm watching and we're showing and we're introducing you on TV and on this radio program to people just devastated. Uh, their businesses upended um, and and destroyed because of mandates from the government. Um, and they're now shutting down all the New York restaurants completely. They're just shutting them down. No more outdoor da- dining. California, same thing. They're just going to shut down the whole state. And I, and through the context of you know what's going to happen in about 19 days in Georgia, which is the January 5th Senate runoff, uh, and Kelly Leffler and 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 Senator Perdue, um, and the stakes are high. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You give control of the Senate to Chuck Schumer and these radical socialist Democrats, and you got. Po- Pelosi or whoever replaces her in the House, it will be more left of her if it's even possible, based on what AOC was saying yesterday. But you do that. Let me tell you the state of Georgia in particular, because all eyes are on you. And we do love you, by the way. Um, and how important this is. You, you need to understand that the economic catastrophe that is going to follow is going to result if if these democratic socialists have their way you even though people in Georgia and Tennessee and and Florida and Ohio and and Kansas and Mississippi and Alabama Louisiana I can't mention every state but all these states that are fiscally responsible like Georgia all the states that fund their retirements and their pensions All the states that don't have the waste, fraud, and abuse of states like New York and California, um, the financial consequences that these states are going to have, it's incalculable. And let me tell you, unchecked, Georgians will be paying to bail out New York and bail out California and bail out Illinois and bail out New Jersey. You're going to you're going to foot the bill when you pay for illegal immigrants health care. Now they're even talking about dismantling the wall. You're going to be paying for all of that. And I'm, I'm just trying. I'm not trying to put pressure. I'm trying to give you a reality check of what's at stake in 19 days. And it all, you know, open borders that that's a fait accompli. You know, ending energy independence, gone. Judicial activists that are so far left, I mean, literally like, you know, right there on the on the fringes of of radical socialism, you know, Marxism almost. I mean, it's insane. And, you know, barely had, you know, even conservative justices not willing to, to follow the law and the Constitution, or as the Wisconsin Chief Justice said in the Wisconsin Supreme Court case in a blistering dissent, is that unless they start, ha- we start having judges that have the courage to follow the law and follow the Constitution, this is never going to end. He's right. So, I, you know, then you can add the, the additional consequences of undoing four years of cutting back taxes and the bureaucracy. Then you can add to that, well, you're going to fund the new Green Deal and everything is free. You'll pay for New York, California, New Jersey, Illinois bailouts. And that would be that's out of your pocket. So now I'm appealing to the people of Georgia, your own self-interest. And I, I just I have no appetite at all 
to ever even discuss until 2022, uh, your governor or your secretary of state. It just is, it's too infuriating. But in spite of that, you can't let that stop you. Now, Kelly Leffler did say last night, and I hope this is true. I was given a lot of false information before the November 3rd election because I asked many, 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 many people, many, 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 many times, do you have poll observers at every location? Do you have lawyers on the ground ready to go at every location? I mentioned it's not hard to predict the areas that that likely would be, well, lend itself more to, to, to fraud issues because we just look at history. And so... You know, and I was told they have. Now, I hope there are 4,000 additional poll watchers in Georgia. I'm told that the drop boxes are being monitored by the campaigns. They have eyes on them 24-7. All right, slight change. The sleight of hand by the Secretary of State is, oh, we're going we're gonna to do a signature verification check of sample ballots in Cobb County. That's not where the problem was in, in Georgia. It was in Fulton County. That's where they should be doing it. So you, you add the whole thing up together, weak foreign policy, Green New Deal madness, socialism on steroids and human growth hormone, open borders, you know, raising taxes just at the levels they're pledging. It will all go higher. None of these promises that they're making you will ever be fulfilled. It's it's impossible. The worst words in the English language. I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. No, thanks. I mean, it's interesting to watch in California. Now, do I think it's going to go far? I, I, I don't think so. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, I'm misreading the, the public. We, we put a lot of people, a couple of people on from California over that have lost their businesses over these, you know, now that the state is shutting down pretty much everything. You know, I don't really get too excited over a recall movement. We do remember Arnold Schwarzenegger was elected governor in 2003 after the recall of Governor Gray Davis, would a recall against Gavin Newsom be successful? Well, Politico reporting today that after banging at the recall door unsuccessfully five times, uh, conservatives in the state of California in their effort to get rid of Gavin Newsom may be gaining traction. Apparently, I guess they need a million five. They're, they're getting close to a million signatures now. And what they're saying in Politico, and that's because the perfect storm of political developments that could make this the latest long shot attempt the, uh, that one might want to now begin to take seriously. The California Republican Party and its chair, guy by the, a woman by the name of Jessica Milan Patterson, have endorsed recalling Newsom. So as the entire California GOP House caucus and according to Devin Nunes, who said as much last week, he said the party is helping to fire up. Uh, the recall push, and we're encouraging people to sign the petitions, he said. And then the California delegation, as they sit, is in favor of it. And newly elected Representative David, I don't know how to say his name completely. I don't know him yet. David uh, Valadio or whatever has confirmed the move. We all support it. So there's something going on there. I mean, but now, I mean, you're going to shut down the state. Does anyone ever stop and think for a second of the impact that this has on businesses. You know, why is it that you get all these great, brilliant, creative solutions, and I'm just looking at the state of New York. Now, they don't have the luxury of the warm weather that they have out in California, even in Northern California. It doesn't get anywhere near as cold as the Northeast. We got a foot of snow dumped on us yesterday where I live, 
And uh, Linda said she had 18 inches where she is. I mean, that's a lot of snow, a lot of shoveling, a lot of snowblowers out there, a lot of need for people with plows. And anyway, so you, you don't have the ability, but businesses have gotten smart. You know, they're trying to make money. If you think of what it costs and the dream and the amount of energy and money and borrowing that goes into opening a restaurant, it is, it's, it's so hard to actually make it in that business. I don't know what it is. That, that happens to be a dream of so many people. They want to own their own restaurant. They want to own their own bar. They want to own their own, you know, place and serve people. And I, and I think it's an awesome dream. I just, but when I look at the math in terms of an investment, I'm just like, man, all my years in the restaurant business tells me this is a hard nut to crack and be successful because after you pay the mortgage, after you pay the rent, then you, you know, then you build the place out, you build the bar, you build the dining room. Then you got to get the chairs and, and the tablecloths and the silverware and the glasses and the cups and stock the bar, stock the kitchen with whatever you're selling. You got to sell a lot of booze to pay the month's rent. You got to sell a lot of hamburgers or lobster tail or steak or whatever it is that you're cooking in there to make the month's rent. And there's only so much people are going to pay for food and only so much they're willing to pay for a drink. But the creativity of business owners, okay, in New York, some of these restaurants, really, really smart. They have individual like bubble tents and they got the heaters in them. So you're not freezing your tail off. Um, then you're around people, socially distant dining. Some places they even have the plexiglass between people that are dining and just, you know, we have this one blanket. Oh, we're not going to think out of the box. We're just going to shut everybody down. I mean, New York, every now restaurant out, all dining is stopped. It's done. It's over. It's unbelievable to me. And now the people of this country are beginning to get it. Majority of registered voters now worried that the government is going to retain their newly claimed expansive powers following the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, you want to know what led to they They used that. They didn't listen to the great Dr. Fauci, who they love to quote, who had said that voting in person can be done safely, even with coronavirus and COVID-19, if you socially distance and you wear a mask. They could have made accommodations. They still can in Georgia make the accommodations for the runoff race so that Partisan observers, as written into the law, would actually have the ability to observe the vote counting from start to finish as the law provides. And a lot of Americans, I think rightly so, 62% of them say that they're worried that government is going to hold on to their pandemic powers after this health crisis finally subsides. And I don't see anybody in the media mob or one single Democrat that has ever said, you know what, Donald Trump's push, we didn't think it was going to happen. We all stated publicly we didn't think it was going to happen. That we'd have a vaccine in, in late fall or early winter. The president was right. And here's the frustrating part. Remember, these, these final phase human trials started in, in late July and early August. Now, the only reason that the trials continued all through the month of August, all through the month of September, we had one hiccup or two little hiccups for like a day or two, um, is because nobody was dying from the vaccine. They weren't seeing massive side effects that were, were harmful to people. And early on, they were, they were seeing what they saw in the in second phase trials, which is that antibodies were created. There's so many different ways. Now, entrepreneurs can figure it out. Brilliant people can figure it out. But the, 
you know, this, you know, the rigidity of government is what it is. It's oppressive. And they seem they just don't care. This poor guy that we had on the other night saying, are you going to pay my rent? They wouldn't even let the guy sell, you know, pickup orders for crying out loud. And he's I'm following your stupid rules and you just keep hitting me with these fines. How do they think people are going to pay that? And, you know, people's dreams literally going up and done, gone. Now they're in debt up to their eyeballs. But I'll tell you what, you know, had it been better managed, California's like the perfect state like Florida. You're going to have hot spots. You're going to have breakouts. But if you manage it well and you protect the elderly, those with underlying conditions, those with compromised immune systems, you will have done everybody a good service. And God forbid you, you talk about an out-of-the-box solution in terms of treatment. Oh, don't mention the evil word hydroxychloroquine. Well, what did Dr. Oz always say? You you've, go to war with the with the army you have, not the one you wish you had. Let's ignore Dr. Daniel Wallace out in Cedar sinai who been the, the biggest rheumatoid arthritis lupus practices in the country for 42 years, dispensing a 65-year-old drug, hydroxychloroquine. And the two studies that got pulled were the ones that said it may be dangerous. The studies subsequent to that said, no, actually, it, it taken early, it works. No coverage of that in the media. Well, because Donald Trump recommended it. Why would we ever do that? Well, I'm not taking the Trump virus. Uh, the, I'm not going to take the Trump vaccine. Trump didn't make the vaccine. He facilitated the fast, the, the, the faster process which got us to this point. Can you say good job for that? All right, 25 now to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Um, I'm watching the pressure campaign now um, by the radical left in the Democratic Party. We saw this. Now, it's interesting. It, this is not by accident that you got AOC out there saying it's time for the likes of Schumer and Pelosi to go, which I don't really disagree with in terms of leadership. Um, but there's more than that. Then then AOC is trashing Joe Biden's, quote, corporate revolving door team. Quote, it's horrible, she's saying. Then asked about the choice to give cabinet positions to Washington insiders and big tech employees and Wall Streeters, et cetera. You know, she called it a, a corporate revolving door. I guess corporations, remember, are bad. And then I'm looking at these liberal senators now are trying to um, threatening to obstruct Biden's nominees if he's not aggressive enough on, quote, climate change. I mean, the, Georgia, are you watching this? A Sheldon Whitehouse literally saying that, you know, these nominees are not aggressive enough on climate change. We're not going to support anybody. He's now the leader on the climate change in this party but also shown to be bipartisan. You do understand what climate change means. It means the Paris Accords that exempts all countries like China from the rigid and expensive standards that we will be paying, which is billions of dollars. It means that, yeah, uh, student loan forgiveness, guaranteed government jobs, wages, vacations, healthy food, uh, retirement, health care. That's what it all is. They'll call it a Green New Deal. They'll they'll literally try and put all the makeup around it to make you think it's something other than pure socialism. And guess what, Georgia? You're going to be paying for all of it. 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. 
Um, let me just go back to one thing. Let me play this guy, Anton. And later on in the program, we're going to have Adam Carolla on. And he's like, you know, people are sheep. They're just sheep. And he supports the recall of Gavin Newsom. Anyway, just this is one L.A. restaurant owner. We had him on TV. And he's getting hit with yet another fine. And he's trying to explain to the guy, I'm following the rules. And then he ends it with, are you going to pay my rent? I'm following the rules. I continue to follow the rules. And you guys still, time after time, are giving me citations. Telling me I have to close my business. You're not what about my employees? You're not following the rules. I am following the rules. My tables are inside. Just because the health department has a whole process to go through that takes however long that takes, I have to close my business for that time? Who's it? Are you going to pay my rent? Are you going to pay? You chose to make those decisions. I chose to protest by putting my tables outside and I reiterated again, I never served one single person outside. I did all takeout food and delivery to what exactly I was supposed to be doing. That's exactly what I did. I did not break any, and there's no even a law, I did not break any rule. There, there is a law that you're breaking right now by operating without a permit. I, because you guys put this closure on my restaurant. Right. You, so you, you guys yourselves are creating your own rule. And you're giving my citation for your own rule that's created. It's not by law that you cannot sit outside and eat. That's not law, that's what it's an order that was given. Okay. So you cannot give me a closure citation based on that. It's already been ordered. I'm not issuing a closure. I'm saying. You, are you, what do you mean issuing a closure? You guys close me. You're not asking to close me. I'm not issuing the citation. The, the closure. The, the restaurant is already closed. The permit has been suspended. However, your refusal to close warrants a. Because what am I going to do if I close? Are you going to pay my rent? No. No. All we need. Okay. So if you're not going to pay my rent, I'm not closing. We- I mean, just I'm, put yourself in the shoes of, of this guy, this business owner, his life and everything. He's like, I mean, what else does this guy have to do to get to get anybody to pay attention to him? What do they got to do? It's unbelievable. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. So uh, down in Georgia, election officials down there, Paul Sperry in uh, Real Clear Investigations, Real Clear Politics, uh, is pointing out that Georgia election officials refused to prosecute double voters. The majority of double voters they found were Democrats. Why do we even bother having election laws? Are we just going to change them? Well, you know, just the day of, three days before, three days after. We're gonna we're gonna make deals with uh, Democrats that sue for you know just the sake of suing to make things better for them. We'll give them. You know, we'll cave into their demands on signature verification standards, on drop boxes. I mean, they did that in Georgia. But more than 1,700 Georgians singled out for illegally casting two ballots in the 2020 elections. In other words, they've identified them. But their fraudulent votes weren't canceled out, according to state election officials. And so far, none of the cheaters have been prosecuted, which, of course, rightly would raise concerns Uh, about the continued fraud as Georgia prepares to vote again in 19 days in these two Senate runoff elections. The majority of double voters were Democrats who cast absentee ballots either by mail or by Dropbox, but also voted in person on Election Day, which, in case you're interested in the law, which is a felony under state law. The highest share of offenders, oh, 
Fulton County. I noticed the Secretary of State's sleight of hand. We'll do signature verification sampling in, in Cobb County. That's not where the problems were. Anyways, the, the highest share of, of people voting twice that have been identified, Fulton County, which includes Atlanta, many of whom were allowed to cast a second ballot by poll workers. Hundreds of workers assigned to the county poll sites were recruited and trained by the Democratic-run Georgia chapter of the ACLU. Another fact that we had brought up in the past. In other words, they, they got to get trained by, by liberal Democrats as part of this idiotic consent decree. And a, 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 apparently a temp agency run by Democratic donors. They were the ones that actually were recruiting and training the workers at the polls. How stupid is your secretary of state down there? I mean, good grief. Most of them inexperienced. And, of course, what were they telling them to do and the acceptability rate? Remember in Pennsylvania, what did we say? In 2016, there was 27 times higher rejection rate of mail-in ballots. Now, they shouldn't have had mass mail-in ballots because the Constitution of the state of Pennsylvania expressly prohibits such. But they had them anyway. Why follow the law? You know, why not just do what they did in Wisconsin? Well, legally, you're not allowed to have early voting. Let's set it up this way. Meet in the park and say you're permanently disabled and can't leave your home. But you got to go to the park to do it all. And we won't make you sign the application, which also is mandated by law. It's so frustrating to me. Anyway, hundreds of workers that were assigned down in Georgia, the poll sites, were recruited, trained by, trained by the Democratic chapter, chapter of the ACLU and a temporary agency run by Democratic donors, according to Real Clear Investigations. And before the election, the ACLU urged anyone, quote, threatened with prosecution over double voting allegations to contact their local chapter for assistance. It's now signing up poll workers for the January 5th runoff races. By the way, if you're in Georgia and you actually care about free, fair, and accurate election results, you might want to sign up and be a part of this. Kelly Leffler said there's a lot more people. There'll be a lot more poll watchers, but are they going to be kept six feet away, kicked out of the room like they were uh, the first time so they can bring out the suitcases full of ballots? Unbelievable. Anyway, so they're now actively seeking people for this job and the runoffs will determine control of the Senate and the number of uh, suspected double voting felons is the largest in state history. According to real clear investigations, they learned that no cases, not one have been referred to the attorney general for criminal investigation in spite of promises that they were going to enforce these laws. This office does not have any referrals on double voting cases so far from the state election board related to the June 2020 primary or the November 3rd, 2020 election. According to Katie Byrd, spokesperson for the Georgia AG, Chris Carr, a Republican. The lack of action undercuts the Georgia secretary of state, this guy Raffensperger, and his promise last month to prosecute those who undermine our elections to the fullest extent of the law. Yeah, where are you, Mr. Georgia Secretary of State? Where are you, Governor Kemp? I can't do anything. You can call a spe special session. You could fix this ridiculous consent agreement that was made by your Secretary of State. You could do that. You've chosen not to. But you can't. But for the people of Georgia, the patriots, conservatives, Republicans, 
those that want free fair elections, you just we, we can't afford to let you sit out here. And I'm not asking you to do anything. I promise you, I myself wouldn't do it. I'd go out and vote. There's so much at stake for the entire country here. And every poll has, you know, razor thin margins. Anyway, uh, Forsyth County Commissioner Dennis Brown, a Republican, said, I'm, I'm disappointed in the lack of enforcement of all of our election laws. We're not asking for the same outcome in January during the runoffs if something is not done soon. He said we are asking for it. That's what he's t- telling people and warning people about. Raffensperger faced a backlash. You know, this, you know, it's sort of like if you remember in the movie Braveheart and William Wallace, you know, he's with his friends and the, the nobles have asked him to a meeting after they betrayed him numerous times. And he says to his friend, oh, have we got to try? So he gets on his horse, goes by himself, goes to meet the nobles. They jump him and then he's put to death. got to try we've got to try i mean that's that's kind of how i feel i'm asking people to try but i can't guarantee that these idiots are going to get anything right which is beyond infuriating to me and it should be to every american um by the way another poll has come out we've had numerous ones quinnipiac gallup in the gallup poll 83 percent republicans think that this election was not free and fair and accurate and a lot of shenanigans went on President had tweeted out, hey, Mitch, because Mitch McConnell's calling Biden president-elect, 75 million votes, a record for a sitting president, adding it's too soon to give up. The president added the Republican Party must finally learn to fight. This is what I think the lesson of all things Donald Trump is he's fought. And I know many of you have been been fighting hard. I, I applaud all of you. I'm trying to get to the bottom of this and straighten all this out. It's hard to do after the fact. And, you know, one of the big questions I was asking before the November 3rd election is, do you have lawyers? Do you have poll watchers? Are they trained? Do they understand? Do they know what the law is? The law, we're not looking for them to bypass or overturn the law. We're looking for them to just maintain the law, enforce the law, and call out those that wouldn't do it. Anyway, you just look at it, a large majority of Republicans Agree with the president that this record number of Republicans, they weren't voting so much for the Republicans as they were Donald Trump. And the Republican Party doesn't seem to understand, well, why is Donald Trump able to get crowds the likes of which no politician has ever in in my lifetime ever gotten? How is it that there's such passion for him? I'll tell you what the reason is. He fights for the promises he made and he keeps them. And he's accomplished more in four years, culminating with the vaccine that everybody said is not going to happen. There's not going to be a miracle. Joe Biden said that happened too. got to give a shout out to our friends at the Amistad Project of the Thomas More Society. They released a 39 page report yesterday uh, alleging that uh, Mark Zuckerberg's five hundred million dollars given to election officials in 2020 was, in fact, a violation of election law. The funds were then used to treat voters unequally and improperly influence the election for Joe Biden. A large portion of the funds went to the Center for Tech and Civic Life, which is a nonprofit, according to this article that I'm reading, um, nonprofit group. 
And uh, that's an awful lot of money. But just you can't even calculate between Twitter, Facebook, and all these social media giants, you know, by censoring the New York Post story, et cetera, et cetera. And they never censored the Russia collusion lie. They never censored, you know, they never even wanted people to talk about quid pro quo Joe's zero experience hunter. I don't even think they're allowing the Johnson Grassley report on the Bidens to be put out. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable. The whole thing is unbelievable. You think it can happen here? Do you ever? It's kind of like I'm in a dream world at times. I'm like always thinking it can't happen here. A lot of this stuff happens in other countries. You know, we're more advanced, sophisticated. No, it happens here. And it has throughout history. We're going to be very blunt and honest about it. You have more witnesses again testifying on election irregularities at the Senate hearing. These are, in other words, they're whistleblowers, as I've been calling them. Patriotic, courageous whistleblowers. Just like the anonymous hearsay, non-whistleblower, whistleblower, one person in charge of, you know, impeaching a president. Only one, one fact witness the whole time. Republican senators said they believe fraud did occur. They're looking into it. And they, these whistleblower witnesses, patriotic conservatives, you know, are telling stories I find extraordinarily believable and signing affidavits under the penalty of perjury. You got a state representative, uh, Francis Ryan, telling senators in his testimony the state's mail-in ballot system for this year was so fraught with inconsistencies, irregularities, that the reliability of the mail-in votes in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is impossible to rely on. That's also their state constitution forbids it. But why let something like the law get in the way? Newt Gingrich is going to join us next, but he's he's been out there saying, well, Republicans in Georgia, they got to get enough votes that's going to overcome whatever cheating they've got in store for the January 5th runoffs. Robert Cahaley of Trafalgar is actually factoring in a 3.7% fraud rate into his polls, anticipating that that's what the people of Georgia have to face. We're the United States of America. Really? Now, can we design a system that people trust, have faith, hope, confidence in? Yes, of course. How do 28 states use voting machines that Republicans, Democrats, and the mob actually agree shouldn't be used. Why would we do that? How did that happen? All right, Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show. Thanks for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Uh, Newt Kingrich tweeting out, I will lead uh, in what will lead to major fraud during the January 5th U.S. Senate runoff elections. There is no indication that either Raffsberger, the Georgia Election Board, plan on taking any action on the chain of custody documents from absentee ballots placed in drop boxes. Now, at least this time, we do have one minor improvement. They're actually monitoring the drop boxes. Kelly Leffler said last night on Hannity that uh, they're going to have about 4,000 new observers, partisan observers, but as many accommodations been made that they can truly observe. Anyway, the speaker joins us now. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, and you've captured part of the problem perfectly. You have a Georgia Secretary of State, Ravensburger, who behaves as though he's a liberal Democrat, who has been totally destructive, 
and who has refused to enforce the law and refused to prosecute people who are breaking the law. And it's just sort of a mild disaster. Now, despite that, the most recent polls show that uh, Senator Loeffler is ahead of uh, the most radical candidate in modern American history in terms of Senate races, uh, and that's Raphael Warnock. And the same poll shows that uh, Senator Perdue is now beating uh, Asif by a pretty good margin. But they've got to win by a big enough margin that all of the effort by uh, the Democrats to steal the race fall short. And I have to say that I think both the governor and the secretary of state and the election board have really fallen short of their sworn constitutional duties. Uh, look, we, this is what has frustrated a lot of people. My fear is the more we talk about it, the more it just ingrains in people in Georgia this this, frankly, righteous anger that they have towards the governor and secretary of state. I mean, the secretary of state, you know, makes this deal with the drop boxes based on the Democratic Party of Georgia's lawsuit, along with the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee and Democratic Congressional Committee. And then just without going to the state legislature, would be, which would be the proper constitutional uh, way to do things, he agrees to the drop boxes. They weren't monitored. You have chain of, of custody issues that then arise. Uh, then, of course, we we have the whole issue of the involving signature verification. You have rigid standards if you vote in person and you have relaxed standards if you vote by mail. Um, and apparently those those now stay in place for January 5th. But, I, you know, I'm what I'm saying to people in Georgia, you can, that doesn't give you a pass not to vote here. I, I totally agree no. with your criticisms. Well, it should do just the opposite. It should make every conservative in Georgia so angry that they're going to guarantee not only that they turn out, but they turn out their relatives, their friends, their co-workers, the folks they go to church with, and they make sure that no matter how badly run the election is, that we simply drown them in votes. And that seems to be what's beginning to happen. I think people are so angry about how this whole thing has been handled that conservatives and people who don't want to see Chuck Schumer as the Senate Majority Leader, don't want to see radical policies, don't want to see somebody like Raphael Warnock, who is rabidly pro-abortion, uh, and really, literally, I think, the most radical candidate for Senate uh, by any either party in the, in the U.S. Senate race. I think those folks are going to just turn out and vote. And I'm very encouraged by the early voting because people are starting to show up and say, look, I'm not going to let these folks run over me. And, and in a sense, that's what this whole post-election process is about. We've watched all the big libs, all the big radicals, uh, all of the folks at the New York Times run over us and now we've people who are showing up and saying you know i'm going to fight for what i believe in by the way i'm not exactly sure what's going on with your phone but you keep hitting buttons we're gonna we're gonna put you on hold for a second uh and, and see if we can straighten it out it's actually pretty funny um but for the people in georgia let me let me just remind you you got this omnibus bill being debated today and it's gonna apparently go into the weekend this weekend and uh you know, as I mean, the amount of money that we're going to spend, and we'll talk about it more with Andy Biggs uh, in our next hour. The amount of money they're spending on a stimulus again, we're back to a situation where, you know, it's not about just helping people that are unemployed, but they'll be getting more money in many instances than they would if they were actually working, which would totally take away the incentive for people to work. 
Um, pretty fascinating when you hear a former Speaker of the House talk about, well, you Republicans, you need to win by a big enough margin uh, that they can't steal it. Or that Trafalgar, Robert Cahaley's polls, factoring in a, a 3.7% fraud steal factor into his polling. I mean, this is a level of madness that, um, anyway, is he back? All right, Mr. Speaker, let me ask you about the, you know, it's pretty remarkable to me, and you, you said it very matter-of-factly, you know, and that is that, well, Republicans will have to win the state of Georgia, these two Senate races, by a big enough margin to overcome the stealing, or Trafalgar and Robert Cahaley factoring in a 3.7% fraud rate in the election, um, doesn't exactly instill confidence in me, uh, or I don't think any American, uh, about the institutions because this is only happening in some states, not others. And I just can't believe that we're saying it and we believe it. Well, look, I, I think it's pretty straightforward. There are states that have gone to great lengths to have accurate, honest elections. Florida's one, Ohio's another. And there are states that are just wide open to fraud and corruption. Um, I would say Pennsylvania's one, Michigan's another, Nevada's even worse. Uh, and part of the great challenge of the next couple of years is going to be to have a reform movement nationwide that insists on passing laws that really make it possible for every honest American to vote and impossible for people to steal the elections. But there's no question that in Georgia, a series of deals were cut uh, largely by the Secretary of State uh, to make uh, Stacey Abrams happy. And as a result, the state has been open to and vulnerable to uh, a level of theft and a level of ballot stuffing on a degree where personally I have zero doubt that President Trump, if he only counted honest legal votes, I have zero doubt that President Trump carried uh, Georgia. Uh, and I have every reason to believe that the margin by which Biden won is uh, literally entirely of votes that should not have been counted. If you had a, and I would argue if the law and the Constitution, both the, our, our, our U.S. Constitution and the state Constitution in Pennsylvania were followed, uh, there would have been a different result there. Um, if, as the Supreme Court Chief Justice in Wisconsin said, uh, they followed the laws there, that, that was 200,000 votes impacted. And again, the law was clear. There's no ambiguity. Um, and that's where the frustration of the 83 percent of of Republicans that have no faith in the outcome of this election. Um, now, the other thing I wanted to ask you is you got all of these people, all of these witnesses now going before the Senate committee. They're all laying out what it is they viewed. They've all signed affidavits under penalty of perjury. And, you know, I, I go back and I compare it to the way one anonymous hearsay non-whistleblower whistleblower was treated and that's just one person and then that resulting in the impeachment of donald trump with only one fact witness who actually benefited the president's argument that there was no quid pro quo and i i look at all of these these people hundreds and hundreds in all of the states were were following and they literally are giving an accounting of all of all of the things that have happened in this election and there's like a media shutout of all of them. They don't even want to talk to these people. They're not. They're no longer calling whistleblowers patriotic and courageous. Look, I, I think we have a problem of language. 
we don't have any reporters left in the mainstream media. We have activists for the left. We don't have any news media. We have propaganda media. Uh, we keep pretending that somehow these places will be okay. The Washington Post has this, uh, you know, slogan, democracy dies in darkness, and then they're part of the darkness. Uh, so I think you have to recognize you've had an effort by what I would think is an, is an oligarchy of the left. You've had the big Internet companies, the big uh, news companies, the billionaires in New York who have made so much money out of China, uh, the radical leftists who want to change our whole country. They form a coalition that wants to profoundly change America, knows that they have to drive Donald Trump out of office to do it, and they believe that any activity is legitimate. So you want to censor the fourth largest newspaper in the country and the oldest newspaper in the country founded by Alexander Hamilton, the New York Post, just go ahead and censor it. You want to censor the President of the United States, just go ahead and censor him. You want to censor Rush Limbaugh, four out of five tweets get censored. Don't worry about it. And then you want to make sure nobody notices that Hunter Biden is a crook and nobody notices that China has its uh, fangs right in the middle of the Biden family. Well, don't, you don't want to cover those things. And you just go down this list. This is the most dangerous period for our freedoms since the Civil War. More dangerous than World War II, more dangerous than the Cold War. We are on the edge of having a group of people who are so deeply indebted to China that for all practical purposes, they're just going to open the gates and let the Chinese dominate this country. And they're doing it by using every possible mechanism that they've got. And it's truly, as a historian, it is truly a sobering and frightening experience. You know, um, I got to tell you, just frightening times. But just listen to what you're saying. You're a great historian, a professor at heart. I mean, with all your knowledge of of the, the history of this country, the most dangerous period ever since the Civil War. That's pretty profound, Mr. Speaker. Uh-oh, we have a more phone. <laughs> Linda, why, are you laughing on air or off air? Because you're laugh. <laughs> laughing. Are you enjoying this? You enjoy you know, your host? It's just, it's just <laughs> hilarious. Sometimes, you know, you just need moments like this to remind you. Maybe that he you was trying to play Christmas jingles on his phone's keys. Oh, my yeah. God. No, we're, we're, we're not in control, obviously. We are you know, not I love in the, control. I love these mob people. Hannity and these guys on talk radio, Fox have so much power, have so much power. Uh, Obama never would have been president uh, ever, and we would have won this election free and fair, and rules would have been actually followed. I look at if we don't change and get a hold of all that happened this year, and we don't learn from this debacle of an election, and we don't have voter ID and chain of custody issues, and we're going to have elections for you know three months early voting, two months early. If we don't get this together, and and make sure that the laws are followed. We'll never have a free, fair election again. And all I see with the Democrats is they're going to double down on this madness. Well, look, I couldn't agree with you more. I think America is really teetering on the precipice. Uh, on one side, you have honest elections. You know who votes. You know that it will be counted accurately. You know that people will not be allowed to vote illegally. On the other side... <clears throat> You have a machine 
which dumps in extra ballots as it needs them, which votes people who are already dead, which votes people multiple times, which doesn't care whether they're legal or illegal. And those two worlds are not compatible. I mean, we're either going to become a country once again of law or we're going to become a country dominated by machines that are breathtakingly corrupt and that are prepared to dominate the rest of us to impose their radical values and their left-wing agenda. But it's that simple, and the choice is that big. Well, how stupid have I been, naively thinking, well, that, that only happens in these other places. You know, we have some instances of it, but not on a mass scale like this. And sure enough, it is happening. It did happen. It's hard to wrap your, your look, mind around how this happened here. This is the moment where we choose between the United States and Venezuela, or the United Jeez. States and Zimbabwe, or the United States and Belarusia. I mean, either we're going to have a popular refusal to allow oligarchs and giant companies and radical left-wingers and corrupt politicians to dominate us, or they're going to win. It's that simple. As a historian, I can just tell you, in the end, these things come down to who won, who lost, and we have an enormous fight ahead of us if we want freedom to survive. The fight also, the state legislators, constitutionally, they have to bring that fight as well. That's right. I mean, we still have an opportunity in the not very distant future to have amazing things happen and to have them happen in a way which I think between now and January 6th uh, could change history. But it does require the state legislators to step in where the Secretary of State is in Georgia have failed or where the courts have failed totally, and to recognize that the Constitution provides for a very powerful role for the state legislators and a very powerful role for the House and Senate. And do you, and we only have 20 seconds left. Do you think they'll do that? I think they may. I think the country is getting to be more and more aware of just how sick the whole thing is. You know, I do have some friends that think, like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I'm so Irish, I just always predict the worst. Anyway, Mr. Speaker, thank you for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. Andy Biggs is next on the Omnibus Spending Bill. 25 till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free telephone number. So I interviewed this guy on TV the other night. His name is Anton Van Happen. And he is an L.A. restaurant owner. By the way, in case people don't know, I lived in Santa Barbara a few years. It's actually warm in Southern California. Anyway, asking government officials, are you going to pay my rent? Because they went in, gave this guy another citation. Now they're shutting down the whole state. And that's leading to now this recall petition that apparently has gotten a lot of traction out in California. Listen to this poor guy. This, this, like so many people in the shutdown, everything, every hope, every dream, every dollar they ever had, they throw into their businesses only to have the government come in, shut it down and destroy their dream. Listen. I follow the rules. I continue to follow the rules. And you guys still, time after time, are giving me citations, You're telling me I have to close my business. You're not what about my employees? You're not following the rules. Make those decisions. Right? I chose to protest 
by putting my tables outside and I reiterate again, I never served one single person outside. I did all takeout food and delivery to what exactly I was supposed to be doing. That's exactly what I did. I did not break any, and there's not even a law, I did not break any rule. You're not going to pay my rent, I'm not closing. It's unbelievable. Uh, Adam Carolla, who hosts his own podcast, weighed in on the support of the recall of Gavin Newsom. Listen, I don't know who Newsom thinks he is. He's not a monarch. No. He can't shut down society. you got to offer some proof why it's dangerous. And by the way, sheep, wake up, sheep. <laughs> it's not Newsom. It's all the sheep that just listen to Newsom. I get it. This Newsom recall thing, what do you oh, think about God, that? God, be nice. Yeah, yeah. Do you think it'll it'll gain some uh, ground? I think it is gaining some ground because he's an imbecile and he's incompetent. And he's running this state into the ground. So hopefully, we can uh, listen. We should recall him and just replace him with one of those plastic owls they put on top of restaurants so seagulls don't shit on the roof. And we would be much better off. You understand? We'd be much better off with no replacement right. than with Gavin Newsom. Adam Carolla joins us now. I couldn't tell because it sounded like I had an audience there. Were they hissing and booing when you said that, or did they like it? I was uh, going to a friend of mine's restaurant in Burbank, California, who uh, I've known since uh, high school, who's essentially going out of business because the state of California has made it impossible for him to do business. But he said, as long as I'm going out of business, screw it. I'm opening my patio and uh, I'm defying the lockdown. So uh, me and my son went there for dinner two nights ago to support him. Good for you. You know, I, be, I honestly, I'm, I'm getting like COVID, you know, the COVID roll because I'm trying to support all my friends that own restaurants where I live. I mean, they're dying. They're all they're all struggling. And, they, you know, they'd be happy if they could even break even at this point. And then in comes the government. Now, in Southern California, Adam, I, I think everybody out there understands social distancing, wearing the mask, right? There's nobody that's ignorant of, of what they're being told. Am I right there? I see the lion's share of people, when I say lion's share, probably into the mid-90s, wearing a mask, walking alone. I see people in my wow. neighborhood, which is a very quiet neighborhood, walking at night alone with a mask on. Okay, but another one I'm trying to get to here, if you get in your car and you're driving, you know, the, the 101 and freeway, or you're driving wherever you're driving in Southern California, uh, you know there are risks with driving. Every time you've gotten on an airplane, you know the risk of getting on an airplane. If everybody knows the risks and then they would choose, for example, outdoor dining in Southern California with whatever mask mandate you have, except when you're eating your food, why are they not providing the freedom to even make that choice? I don't know. I mean, you think about uh, New Year's Eve is coming up. You know, every year a bunch of Americans die driving drunk at night coming home from New Year's Eve's Eve parties. It's the most dangerous night to drive a car. So according to their logic, why not just lock it down? Why not just set a 10 p.m. New Year's Eve curfew? I mean, people are going to die. I mean, listen, I'd like to say that life doesn't have risks. But I think the government, they did their job. They've educated everybody. I'll tell you, they even did better than their job. Nobody would have ever dreamed of a vaccine. Trump should get credit. Nobody can ever say one nice word about the guy. Um, With Operation Warp Speed and the fact that we have now numerous vaccines, people are getting vaccinated as we speak. 
Um, but I know people just like your friend. I mean, every single cent they've ever saved in their life and then going into debt up to their eyeballs in, and every dream they've ever had, it's being wiped out. And it's just like, oh, check, check, check without any consideration of any alternatives that would provide them a means of, of even paying the rent and keeping people working. Well, they were closing. Remember, they closed the beaches down here. You know, every time someone tells me to follow the science, I go, what about a couple of months ago when they closed the beaches down? What about after when they closed the beaches down? They said you could walk on the beach, but you couldn't lay down on the beach. Should I have followed that science? What science are we talking about? <laughs> there is there is no science. There's no science. Eating outdoors is dangerous. No science. And as a matter of fact, the health director in Los Angeles County just admitted there is no science. We just want people to stay home. Well, I don't know if that's your job. I don't know if that's part of your job. Your job is to tell us the science, let us weigh the risk, and then get on like Americans. You know, I, it's interesting you say this. Now, you take a lot of heat just for saying that. Just, just for saying that, okay, people get the choice. People get to decide. Now, the only thing I would urge other people is you do have to think of those that would be vulnerable, most vulnerable to coronavirus, older people, underlying conditions, compromised immune systems. If you're going to be going out, I did strongly advise you, you know, not to see grandma and grandpa at this time until they get the vaccine and they're safe. Does that sound fair? Absolutely. But we act, you know, when this thing started, we'd say, well, how come the schools are closed? Kids don't, kids aren't harmed by this. Uh, they don't seem to be able to spread it. Seems like one of the safest places in the world. I mean, what's the difference between airport TSA and a school teacher. The TSA shows up at the airport every single day and sees thousands of people go by them. Is that less dangerous than a school teacher standing 10 feet away from a class with a piece of Lexan in front of them? And who is an essential worker if not teachers? But they act like, well, your kids are going to go, your kids are going to be safe, but then they're going to return and they're going to give it to their grandparents. They act like 70% of Americans live with their elderly parents. That's insane. I don't live with elderly people. I'm the oldest person in my house. I have 14-year-old twins. Reopen the schools. Follow the science. You know, the, the thing, too, is then, then now it creates this, this problem for parents because they got to take off work, and maybe their work's not going to let them work from home. Uh, then their income is lost on top of it, and then you have a, you know, a, literally it starts like a snowball running downhill, and you don't know where this thing ever stops. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, you live in a state where they have a state income tax of 13.5%. You're watching the biggest mass exodus out of states like California, New York, New Jersey, and, uh, and Illinois. The problem I have, I don't care, it's, and it's all told in the one statistic. If you want a U-Haul from L.A. to Texas— probably going to cost you about 2500 bucks. If you take the U-Haul from Texas and drive it back to California, you'll get it for 400 bucks. The reason being is there there's a need for people to bring the trucks back because so many people are leaving your state. Well, you know, two things. Gavin Newsom, who's a complete imbecile, did an interview I heard on a podcast a few weeks back. He said, hey, where are you going to go? As, as if people aren't fleeing and going everywhere, number one. Number two, as you know, Elon, Elon, Elon Musk, Musk just yeah. uh, left. All right. Here's a little thought experiment. Elon Musk is the smartest man on the planet, 
and he's leaving California. What does that say about California? Quick break. We'll come back. More with Adam Carolla on the other side. 800-941-SEAN, our number. As we continue, Adam Carolla is uh, with us. 500,000 people out of New York City. Now you have big Wall Street companies, Goldman and others, taking some of their largest divisions and moving them down to Florida. So they'll go from a 13% state city income tax down to zero, and they'll save money galore. Now, I'm, I'll, I'll, t- I'll also tell you what people will never know is the New York government will go in and offer them sweetheart deals that nobody else gets in order to keep the perception that Wall Street is really in New York. Watch that as the next move. Um, but, you know, it's very, very frustrating. It, it seems like nobody really does want to think for themselves. You know, if I did a segment with a doctor from Yale or a doctor from Baylor or, you know, Dr. Oz for crying out loud, and they said, yeah, let me tell you about the studies that show that hydroxychloroquine with a Z-pack uh, and zinc and quercetin and vitamin D3 and vitamin C, if taken early, shows that it's effective. And now there are numerous studies that, that have come out since then. Just by even exploring a choice for somebody, somehow I'm a bad person for even even discussing it. The only two medical papers pulled on hydroxy were ones that were negative towards it because they wanted to rush them out to propagandize people. And it seemed like, well, Donald Trump recommended it, therefore we've got to hate it. Well, hydroxychloroquine is a perfect example of the news, the media, and the bias of the mainstream media. I mean, this drug is inert. It's been around for 60 years. It's given Six, out 65 million yeah. doses. Sorry, stand corrected. And here's an interesting piece of information because uh, I sit next to Dr. Drew and talk to him about it all the time. Do you know that if you are on hydroxychloroquine and you become pregnant, you don't have to get off it. Now, how could that drug be dangerous if pregnant women don't have to stop taking it? Pregnant women can't drink a glass of white wine when they're pregnant, but they get hydroxychloroquine. What else do you need to know? And, of course, the, me- the mainstream media could find all this information out in 10 minutes on their phone, and, of course, they choose not to. You know, it's so funny you say that. I mean, you have out there at Cedars-Sinai the, pr- the premier expert in hydroxychloroquine. He has the largest rheumatoid arthritis and lupus practices in the country. Over 400 peer-reviewed articles, and early in April of this year, he wrote it and said that the risks of people using it as a treatment are nil at the, at the doses and the time. He was even talking about using it for 30 or 60 days. Most people, it's 5, 10, or 2 weeks max. And, and the recommended doses, the risk is nil. And still these, these people, Daniel Wallace's name, Dr. Daniel Wallace, Cedars-Sinai Medical Center. I mean, but still you couldn't even discuss it without having your head chopped off. Well, this is how you know the media is corrupt and you know they have an agenda. If the media was just ignorant to hydroxychloroquine and they said, I don't know if it helps, I, 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 don't, I don't know that there's any proof that it helps with COVID-19, but doesn't seem to hurt anybody. If they couched it that way, I would tend to believe that at least they didn't know what they were doing. When they came out with a smear campaign to talk about how dangerous it was, that's when I knew they had an agenda. No normal person who looked into this medication for more than five minutes 
would come a, would come so back true. with that conclusion. And if it is dangerous, as we heard how dangerous it was four months ago from the mainstream media, then where's all the follow-up reports on all the Americans that have been injured or harmed or perma- permanently damaged by hydroxychloroquine? Where's your follow-up stories then? CNN, where's the follow-up? You said it was dangerous five months ago. Good. Millions of Americans took it. Now we should be having a story about all the Americans that were harmed, right? You'd think so. They'd love to stick it in our face and say they were right. By the way, you're in your 12th year of uh, your show. Congratulations. You've written a book. I don't even know what to begin to think of the title. I'm your emotional support animal navigating out of all woke, no joke culture. Isn't it really sad that even comedians, I mean, there's like a checklist of what you cannot say. Oh, you know, the saddest state is the comedians, because the comedians were always there to push back against the man. So think about this concept, you know, Lenny Bruce or Mort Saul or Richard Pryor, uh, uh, George Carlin, always there to push back against the man. I am the only comedian I'm aware of who's pushing back against California and its lockdowns and Gavin Newsom. And the comedians, who are essentially cowards, think that Donald Trump is the man. Donald Trump is not the man. Gavin Newsom is the man. All the comedians live in Los Angeles. Nary a word, not even a joke about Gavin Newsom. I so can't watch them anymore. The state of comedy. Like Chris Rock is the yep. only one that just lets it rip. And I love him. I love his onstage act. Says it all. And he doesn't give a flying, you know what? He doesn't care. I mean, it's so sad, all of this uh, that's going on. Anyway, yeah, your new book, congratulations uh, on it. We really appreciate it. And it's uh, Adam Carolla's book. It's I'm Your Emotional Support Animal Navigating Our All-Woke, No-Joke Culture. We need to get back to joking again, even if it's about me. Tear me apart. Tear me to shreds. I'd love it. All right. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. Right here for our final news roundup and information overload. All right. News roundup, information overload. Our 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? All right. So 17th of December. That's where we are now. 14 days left in this month. And then on day five of next year, 19 days away, people will be voting these two Senate runoff seats in the great state of Georgia. Uh, it couldn't be any more important a race with the worst date possible. And that's why the early voting started on Monday. It's going on right now. Uh, or if you're going to do it absentee, now is the time to act. Make sure you get your ballot. Make sure you get online. Please vote because there's so much at stake. Um, anyway, Kelly uh, Leffler is running uh, on against Raphael Warnock. And here's one of her ads. Nobody can serve God and the military. Raphael Warnock attacks our military. Police power, the kind of gangster and thug mentality. Warnock attacks our police. Somebody's got to open up the jails. Raphael Warnock is dangerous. Uh, anyway, joining us now, people that really understand the great state of Georgia. You got Craig Kashishian is with us, educated Cornell, Princeton, Yale Law, served on the White House staff of President Reagan. Matt Towery back with us. This guy nailed the 2016 election, the 2020 election, knows Georgia as well as anybody. Uh, he alone, but it's interesting because Trafalgar's Robert Cahaley, same thing. I mean, they're both from Georgia. Uh, Matt's latest poll, Insider Advantage, 
has a 49-48 lead for Purdue, razor thin, Kelly Leffler, 49-48, one-point race there. Matt Towery, welcome back. What is the state of this race? Looks very, very tight to me, too too close for comfort. Yeah, Sean, it looks really tight, and you know Georgia as well as I do. And, and you, you have alluded many times to the fact we could easily have an ice storm in Georgia that could wipe out uh, voter turnout that day, which, which is all the more reason for people to go vote early uh, and to get their vote in and counted. Um, in this race. Uh, I, I can't tell people in Georgia, particularly in the rest of the country, how close these races are, really are. It's amazing. I'm looking at the turnout numbers, and I calculated today, Sean, I think right now the Republicans are between 100 and 110,000 votes behind. Now, they were, uh, they were certainly at that level, if not more, in the general election where you have a slightly larger turnout. So that doesn't mean that the Republicans can't win, but what it means is that Republicans have to get back out and vote like it's a general election, or they could lose both of these Senate seats in Georgia. What's your take, Craig, as you analyze these these two races, the runoffs uh, on the 5th? The same as Matt. Matt and I are teamed up on this one, and he's a, a great partner. And I will tell you, what Matt said is absolutely the case. Georgia Republicans have to vote like they never have before. Their future and the country's future is dependent upon it. I see some positives. I see that our senior citizens are coming back into the fold. We need them now more than ever. Senior citizens of Georgia, we need you and you need to vote Republican on this. Uh, Point two, I do see another big moving item here. And Matt touched upon this, actually. Matt uncovered it. Uh, We see that the radical left's positions on no bail, ad hoc prisoner release, closing down the Atlanta city jail and turning it into some sort of playground are deeply disturbing to Republicans and Democrats. And African-American women of all, of all political uh, affiliations are worried about this, as whites are, as everyone should be. This is a matter of public safety. If you can't sleep soundly in your home at night, then what the heck is government all about? So you know, these are the I, things that, you know, that drive, drive polls and should be driving Republicans to the polls. Period. I mean, there's so much on the shoulders of the people of Georgia. And by the way, I don't think it's been particularly helpful. I mean, the only changes I see that they've made since November 3rd is apparently these drop boxes now are being viewed and monitored. All right. That's an improvement. Uh, I don't know that they haven't changed the signature verification issue that came up during the general election. And this was part of a consent agreement that was made with the secretary of state and the Democrats that were suing the state of Georgia, Matt Towery. And uh, they're not changing any of the other other considerations that were given, which means that in-person voters voting, if you're there, you have to have an ID and you have the stringent signature verification requirement that has your signature has to match what they have in the state database. Uh, that standard does not exist for people that do mail-in ballots. They haven't fixed it. It's ticked a lot of people off. Well, you know, uh, to allude to Georgia, that that's all gone with the wind, so to speak, because there's nothing is going to change. The Secretary of State hasn't changed anything. And I, I had anecdotally yesterday some late conversations with some members of the General Assembly who said they're they're seeing. Ballots flying around once again, things not secure. I, I think there's an effort on the part of the GOP, and I want to give some credit to David Schaefer, the chairman there. He is, he is very smart. He, he, he like uh, Joe Gruders, who you know Joe, he's the chairman in Florida who really helped deliver the win for, for Donald Trump. These are the sort of chairmen that you need, people who are they're savvy and know what they're doing. And I think David's doing the best he can to try to secure the ballots and get people out. But the, the problem is 
He's a Republican chairman who's very uh, true, true to his party. But you've got a secretary of state who really is, is fighting to, to instead validate something which can't be validated. And that is that, that he did the right thing in signing that consent agreement and creating those drop boxes and allowing to have this disparate treatment of ballots where you don't need an ID if you're mailing in for an absentee ballot, but you need an ID if you're going online or if you're going to appear in person. That, none of that makes any sense, and it hasn't really changed. So that's why the voters have to make sure they get out uh, and participate in this thing, because we don't know if the quote-unquote cheat factor is zero or if it's the three-point-whatever percent that, that our colleague and friend Robert Cahaley's put to it. We just don't know right now. And so it's, it's a very iffy situation. The other thing I want to note real quickly, is that we also don't know, we've seen an uptick in the early voting a bit versus the runoff. What we don't know is if the Republicans are voting now early vote and there won't be that big a vote on January 5th, or whether we'll still have a lot of the Republican vote on January 5th. All of those are variables that will really change the way these polls might turn out to be reality one way or another. You know, if you look at the UFOs. Okay, so what are the issues that are resonating the most? I mean, what what issues will get, Craig, people out and, and and inspired to vote? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's every one of Donald Trump's accomplishments. Uh, it's whether or not investigations will continue. It's absolutely, by the way, Georgia, your vote here, you'll end up paying to bail out New York, New Jersey, California, and all these states uh, that have not been as fiscally responsible as you all have been. Uh, put that in your in, in your pipe and smoke it because it's absolutely true. Uh, open borders, that'll happen. Free health care for illegal immigrants, that will happen. Energy independence, that will stop. Uh, liberal activist justices, there will be many of them. Nobody will be there to stop them, uh, except if the people of Georgia, conservatives, patriots, um, Republicans all get out seeing the the magnitude of severity here and and voting i mean i'm I'm like begging the people of georgia i hope they they understand what's at stake craig oh sean you couldn't hit it more accurately in fact it's worse than that um (laughs) there there are ideas on the ground now in georgia about giving everybody a guaranteed income in the city of atlanta that means the taxpayers of georgia have to pay for the federal bailout and also for their, their their citizens who are going to be on the dole so the meta issues you just spoken to are right on. And Georgia patriots of all political stripes, whether you're a conservative or a moderate, please don't fall for the, the hat trap that, you know, that Warnock and, uh, and Ossoff are, are moderates. They are not. They want to change the, the undergirdings of American society as you know it. And it, the United States will not resemble its former self once the Democrats get control. So that's the big picture. But when it comes right down to the hearth again, Safety, uh, security, living in your own home and, you know, without having uh, gangsters and, and, and criminals uh, who are out on the streets, thanks to uh, liberal policies like this, come right smack home. And Georgians have to realize that they have to perform not only a service for their country, but to themselves, too. But the service to the country in terms of keeping these people out and keeping Republicans in check um is the is the greater duty the greater cause i hope they hear this i think they will your take matt towery what are the arguments that should be made by leffler and by purdue on uh, these closing days i do like the fact that both of them are, are racing around the state to as many counties as they can get to and i think purdue promised 125 kelly leffler said something similar last night on hannity 
Yeah, I, so I start with the basis that don't run away from Donald Trump. Um, Donald Trump, as I've said many times on this program, is not just politics. He's a religion in Georgia. And in South Georgia, Central Georgia, and North Georgia, if anybody thinks they're going to win without having Donald Trump help draw these people back out to the polls, they don't understand the difference between a regular politician and President Trump. That's number one. Number two, I agree with what Craig's talking about. I think the campaigns in their latter days need to become more localized. We've had a lot of ads running in Georgia that are national uh, in nature. We've got we've had Mitch McConnell on, and we've had all these discussions of socialism and the like. But until you start talking about, hey, they really are shutting down the jail in the city of Atlanta. Is that really what you want to see happen in your community? Um, they really are talking about universal income a pilot program in Atlanta. Do you think people are going to be able to afford that along with everything else? The Atlanta Braves, there's a talk about changing the names of the Braves. Uh, now, our, our colleague Robert Cahaley talked about that uh, just the other day. Th- these are issues that actually move people, and I think it, it, when you take them in the totality and you reach out to the various areas where they affect, there's some. then you put meat on the bones of what are just saying someone's a radical and a socialist. And sometimes I don't like those terms because – People get used to Agreed. those just like they used to get used to the, to the term liberal. And uh, now nobody – you call somebody a liberal and they just roll their eyes. Craig? Absolutely. Sorry, so Matt. What are, you're right. What would you recommend these candidates be talking about? Uh, directly to me. I mean, I, 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 would, I would certainly recommend that they be talking about those sort of issues, but I think Craig could also add to that. Crime, taxes, your, 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 your business is getting shut down in perpetuity. Remember, you see, you're seeing this on the national stage. Mandates. Restaurant, I live in California, Sean. Restaurants are dying on the vine. Small business owners are crying in their hands. That's going to come to visit Georgia if you let the Democrats run the show. That's what's going to happen is two true authoritarian government from the top down to impact every small town, every medium-sized city in the state, every resident. You don't want that. It comes right down to the quality of your life, and that's what's going to be compromised. That's yeah. what I would be running on. Not to mention yeah. the national issues, but the, the the micro issues that affect your way of life. Higher taxes. Let me uh, tell you about the micro issue that every Georgian needs to know. You'll be bailing out every fiscally irresponsible blue state uh, in this country. You'll also you'll, you'll permit them to change laws in ways you've never dreamed of that will impact every American. I mean, you like Donald Trump? Guess what? They'll harass him into the grave. They'll never stop if they had control of the Senate. That's one. Every accomplishment, they will undo it on day one if they have the power to do it. They need to understand it. All right. Thank you both. Craig, we appreciate it. Matt, thank you. 800-941-SEAN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. Right, let's get to our busy phones. Just talking about Georgia. Lisa is in Georgia. Lisa, hi. How are you? Uh, glad you called. So how interested... How involved do you sense the people of Georgia are in this race? Well, I, I early voted Monday, which was the first day in Georgia. I spent two hours in line, and I counted somewhere in the neighborhood of about 200 people. And this was within the first hour when the polls opened where I live. And, and it's important to know that I don't live in the Atlanta area. I live in central Georgia. So I was talking to people that were in line, and we all agreed that we knew at least two or three people who were very paranoid about early voting because of everything we've read and seen in the news about all this fraud. George, we, listen, Georgia has every right real. to be mad over the way the last election was handled, and you have every right to be mad at your dopey governor and secretary of state. 
Most definitely. And now I've just read about Raffensperger doing this this Cobb County um, signature verification. Well, that's many weeks too late as far as I'm concerned. And it's just it's a Cobb. sleight of hand. Not- he, you and I both know he should be doing it in <laughs> Fulton County. Exactly. Exactly. I didn't hear a thing about Cobb. But anyhow, everyone I've talked to that has not voted yet, they're all wanting to wait until Election Day because they, they're afraid that if they do it early, that if there's any monkey business going on, it's going to happen earlier than it is later. And I'm of the opinion, hey, look, if they're going to do it, they're going to do it, and it's not going to matter when. So, let you know, show it to the world. If they're going to do it again, it's not going to matter whether you vote early or late. The important thing is to show up and vote. And, you know, make them work for it. And here, you know, it's, it's really just voter intimidation. If you're worried about changing your process, how you would normally vote if you vote early, and I always vote early. I voted early in the national election. There were people in line highly upset during the national election that had ballots, you know, mail-in ballots, older people that did, really didn't have any business standing in a line because they were so upset that, you know, they'd heard all this stuff going on. They, they had ballots mailed to them that they had not asked for. They had ba- multiple ballots. And there were poll workers pulling them out of line and telling them, if you're here to vote in person instead, you know, we'll take this, mm-hmm. but you've got to fill out paperwork to do this. So, you know, and, and those very same people, you know, because I live in a community where, you know, a lot of people know each other. They're well, there Kelly Leffler said we're going to have 4,000 you know, poll watchers this time. I hope she's right. Why aren't you the governor and secretary of state? You do a far better job. Uh, all right, Lisa, we're counting on you and all your friends in Georgia. you got to bail the country out. A lot hanging in the balance right now. A lot. Um, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. When we come back, we'll get an update from Andy Biggs on election integrity uh, issues there uh, and much more as we... All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. There is a massive, huge omnibus spending bill that the House and Senate have passed, and the president has threatened to veto uh, Andy Biggs, who is the chairman of the Freedom Caucus, sent a letter to the White House asking the president to veto the the end-of-the-year omnibus spending bills. Pelosi is yet... Again, giving a a massive take-it-or-leave-it bill negotiated behind closed doors that expands government spending at at record levels well above the 2011 uh, base cap issues and funds unnecessary, even harmful federal programs. Uh, Andy Biggs joins us now. But, Andy, I want to remind you that Donald Trump said this in 2018 that he's not going to do this again. Therefore, as a matter of national security, I've signed this omnibus budget bill. There are a lot of things that I'm unhappy about in this bill. There are a lot of things that we shouldn't have had in this bill, but we were, in a sense, forced, if we want to build our military, we were forced to have. There are some things that we should have in the bill. But I say to Congress, I will never sign another bill like this again. I'm not going to do it again. Nobody read it. It's only hours old. Some people don't even know what it is. $1.3 trillion. It's the second largest ever. President Obama signed one that was actually larger, which I'm sure he wasn't too happy with either. But in this case, it became so big because we need to take care of our military. And because the Democrats, who don't believe in that, added things that they wanted in order to get their votes. 
Our uh, Andy Biggs from Arizona joins us now. Uh, any indication? I know you're joined by a lot of your Freedom Caucus friends on this. President, uh, if they removed in the military uh, uh, authorization, uh, they didn't remove Section 230, also threatened a veto there. Your thoughts on the status of this? Well, it's, it's uh, as always, it's going to be uh, down to the wire. They're going to give us documents to read. There'll be thousands of pages, and they're going to give us a few hours, and they'll say, come on, vote on this, and you've got to do it, or else we're going to shut down government, and you'll get blamed for shutting down government. But this has everything, it will have everything in there, including funding for, for Planned Parenthood to go on. It, they're not going to give enough money to, for border security, and, and they're going to continue to empower insurance companies in the health care system. I mean, this is just all the mishmash that's going on. And right now, Sean, as you and I are talking, uh, believe it or not, lobbyists and Democrats are putting their pet projects into this bill to expand spending and the size and scope of government. That's what's happening, and that's why um, we're asking the president to veto this. Well, we've got to see what happens. That's why you bring up Georgia. You want to see spending like you've never seen? You want to see taxes go through the roof like you've never seen before? Massive redistribution, massive government controls, regulations on any house or building you ever have owned or any you want to ever buy in the future? Forget it. It's going to stymie and stifle economic growth more quickly than uh, I think anybody has any uh, an imagination for. Um, okay, so do you think you're going to get, have you had an opportunity to talk to the president? Any response to your letter or no? Yes, I've, I've had a chance to talk to the president, and um, it, since, since they haven't even given us anything in writing, they're going to have to see it in writing and analyze it, and, and uh, his people are going to have to give him information from that side. But uh, we're going to keep working on it. What is the latest out there with the election battle? I understand that they have a computer forensic experts now that might be given a, a look over in terms of the machines that were used in Arizona. That's correct. Um, they're supposed to, if, if the county, Maricopa County, turns over all the documents uh, and the machines by tomorrow at 5, there is a, a forensics team waiting, just waiting to get started at 501. So, it's just a matter of the county uh, turning them over. They had a board meeting yesterday and uh, did not take any action, did not agree to uh, uh, to provide the, the, do the documents and the machines, but nor did they say they were going to withhold them. So hopefully they're going to turn them over at the appropriate time tomorrow. All right, Andy Biggs, Freedom Caucus Chairman, thanks for updating us on the bill and, and all you do, and uh, Merry Christmas, my friend. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Uh, 800. Thanks. 941 Sean Bella Minneapolis Bella how are you glad you called Thank you Sean do you remember what I said to you in 2009 the first time I called you Um I'm trying to think I do remember Twilight. the call because remember? I think if I remember correctly I'm checking my brain cells here or whether I've gone full blown Joe Biden Um the name Bella was kind of associated at the time with that that werewolf series what was the name of that thing again Twilight. Didn't I bring that up with you? <laughs> and you freaked me out because I was so serious, and it was the first time I'd ever called anybody. But the point that I made with you is, <laughs> I said, let's get Donald Trump for president in 09. Well, I don't remember that aspect. Now, I'm actually proud of myself that I remembered that I had brought up the issue of Twilight and the character Bella <laughs> from the movie and that here we are nine years later that I still remembered it. I'm there's hope for me. I'm I'm not going full on Joe Biden. 
I just hope there's hope for this country. I mean, you know, men are stupid. It doesn't get any crazier than this. Um, I just want to throw this out there. The use of the virus to destroy small businesses has really created this epic destruction. And it's really children in government positions. They've got this abusive, draconian police state measures. And now we have businesses fighting these tyrant police state attorney generals and governors to walk out our door, go to work, run our small businesses without restraining orders and unconstitutional fines. And, you know, I'm, I'm just... I'm so fed up with the Supreme Court, but I won't won't jump ahead because I know we want to focus on these small businesses. Sean, he opened up outdoor eating in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the week before Christmas, outdoor only. And then we can't even set up legal structures to be able to serve food outside of Minneapolis. Well, it frustrates me in in terms of government shutdown, et cetera, et cetera. Now, it is the worst pandemic since 1917 and 18. Uh, A lot of people were wrong for almost the entire year. Um, And this, you know, the medical experts, projections, uh, masks, no masks, gloves, no gloves, all of it. You know, it's it was disastrous. The lack of preparation, any preparation, even even like a city with a high concentration of people like New York City, it, it's unforgivable to me. And then you realize the state of New York's health task force recommending you buy 15,783 ventilators. Nobody buys them. They, they had nothing ready. Donald Trump got it all done. And now we have the vaccine. Nobody will ever give him credit for any of that, too. And, you know, it's what's missing in this is where is the. Where is government having any capability of putting aside the rigidity, take the knowledge we have about masks and social distancing, et cetera, and if rest, you got to give people alternatives. Like at some of my favorite restaurants, they actually have these bubbles now that they've created. You and whoever you're with, you know, can be in a bubble that's actually getting heat, an individual bubble. You know, figure out ways that you can work with them, that they can keep their employees busy, people living as normal a life as possible, while the vaccine now is is being put in people's arms every second of the day, and be creative. You know, but they they come in, they're draconian, heavy hand, and shut everything down, and then they're going to come, this is why Georgia's important, and they're going to say, give me all your money, because we have to pay for all of this. And a lot of it's not necessary, and there's absolutely zero willingness to, to be open to any any objective, smart, creative, out of the box thinking. But that's that that is government, and it's frustrating. And I, unfortunately, I think we're only going to see a lot more of it in the in the months and years ahead. It scares the crap out of me. Last word, Bella. Well, so we have this coalition here that we wanted to educate and support all these businesses to reopen against these uh, measures of the governor. And a few of them opened, and the, the part that I don't understand is instead of spending time on trying to figure out how to bring the crime rate down and to bring some rhyme and reason to the city, they're running to these small suburban areas uh, fining and and threatening with jail time to these small business owners that are just simply trying to stay open, feed their family, and run their business. And I just don't understand what the end game is because the data doesn't support like the gyms. They for the million gyms that we have in in the state of Minnesota and the 
supposed 700 possible if the data even follows. So they shut them all down. Yet we can walk into Walmart where there's hundreds and hundreds of people. You know, when Trump said we got to learn how to live with the virus, that's what we have to do. But what's going to be left with our states after we shut down for as long as we have? I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I wish I had the answers. Um, it's uh, It's been a rough year. It's been an up-and-down, topsy-turvy whirlwind of a year. And, um, you know, I wish I shared some optimism. I, You know, some of my friends are more optimistic than me. I'm, I just don't. I just see just insanity about to ensue on a level I don't even think people are prepared for. We'll be here. The battle for liberty and freedom never ends, ever. Crystal, Texas. Thank you, Bella. Hey, Crystal. Hi, Sean. It's Crystal. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Okay. All I wanted to say was I really think Republicans need to start fighting like Democrats. And I wanted to see what you really think the chance is that the electors in January could actually vote for Trump. Because they have absolutely nothing to lose. All the bellwether counties voted for him. And whether they voted to support him in January or not, it's not like they would be losing votes when they go back to the ballot box. You're talking about January 6th when it's that those votes then become official from the 14th. Understood. I mean, is it is it possible? Can it happen? A hundred percent. It could. Will it? I'm doubtful. Um, I don't uh, you know, you know, the the problem is, is that in so many different ways and I I keep going back to the Supreme Court of Wisconsin because I thought it was so powerful what the chief justice said in his stinging dissent. Um, unless and until they get the courage to do what the law says and the Constitution says, uh, these problems are going to continue in perpetuity. You know, we, we see the uh, the beginning signs and the emergence of, you know, the same stupid mistakes that Georgia made, you know, now being made again. Um, I don't really hear um, enough people in state legislatures demanding that this can never happen again. You know, voting in perpetuity, not having voter ID, uh, chain of of custody for the ballots availability, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all these things. I don't know. I'm also an attorney, and I just I just think Trump would have been better served. Although I love Giuliani, he he needs to put out a better PR team like every day on on TV talking about the fraud that happened in Nevada. And showing it, showing it to people and trying to get the word out because the media is failing to do it. Look, I'm, I'm not going to be critical of, of people that I think we're always putting their best effort in that that see the things that we see. And, you know, unfortunately, yet, there was not the organization that I would have liked to have seen or the preparedness I'd like to have seen. Um, I, I hope that we could start January 5th and I'd like to see everybody that goes in and votes, you know, and the vote counters and p- partisan observers start videotaping a lot more than they did in on November 3rd, 4th, 5th and in perpetuity. And I just think there are certain things that we can do and do better if we choose to do it. You know, I, I would even argue that a lot of this chaos is by design. And in other words, they it's not complicated to figure out a system that works that would work well that we'd have integrity in and and confidence in with the results i don't think we're dealing with complicated issues i would eliminate these machines forever you know just like these european union countries that have have eliminated them i wouldn't have ballot you know voting maybe a week early if you want 
I wouldn't have mail-in ballots, period. Why in the New York Times, the Baker-Carter Commission all said that it's it tends to lend itself to a lot more fraud. I would end the practice. Voter ID got to be mandatory. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. As always, we thank you for being with us. Now, we're loaded up. We actually have new Hunter news that we're going to break tonight. His ex-associate asked to get Joe involved. Uh, make it look like a truly family business. We have those exclusive text messages. Uh, but don't worry. I'm sure they're going to say they came to us directly from Russia. Russia, 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 because that's where their heads are at. Uh, meanwhile, I want to know how compromised all the Bidens are by China, China. Anyway, Peter Schweitzer, Jim Jordan, weigh in on that. We'll have the latest on the election results. Kelly McEnany and Carl Rove will look at the Georgia Senate race. Candace Owens, Pete Hegseth, our buddy Mike Rowe will be on tonight with Dirty Jobs. I always wanted his job because I love Deadliest Catch, and he narrates, I think, one of the best shows ever on TV. I have no idea why I love that show, but I can watch it. You binge watch it for hours on end. Anyway, please set your DVR tonight. Hannity on the Fox News Channel, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. We'll see you tonight. Back here tomorrow. As always, thank you for being with us.